boy, it's your boy, and welcome to episode 21 of the podcast. Yay! The podcast can drink. Yay! Episode 21 of the podcast. The podcast is of legal drinking age. Yay! Wow, what a celebration. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. Uh, If you want to, you can subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at ThisIsMPod. Check us out at thisismpod.com and send us an email at thisismpod at gmail.com. Oh, man. Dude, so I do voices, right? And um, I don't, I never know where they come from. They just sort of start hitting me all of a sudden. And, like, for some reason, I've started talking to my girlfriend ubiquitously as, like, the voiceover for movies. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're getting ready in the morning. I'm like, are you ready? Because, like, I, I drive her to work and I'll just say things like, are you ready to go to work? This summer, and I'll like say her name, but I'll say anyway, dude. Yeah, it's dumb. Like we'll be cooking dinner, and I'll just be like, "Do you have the fish? Let's get ready to put it in the skillet." Anyway, I don't know. I guess I was thinking because I was doing a silly voice that made me think of that. Um, did I say everything I wanted to say though? <clears throat> yeah, you can connect with the podcast social stuff. Um, also, um, look up M, the heir apparent. That's the letter M, the heir apparent on Spotify and check out the featured playlist of all my original music from 2019 called Gentleman Caller. Um, give those songs a throw, man, and uh, check it out. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Look up M, the heir apparent on YouTube. Um, we're posting the podcast there also. So. Um, yeah, we're clipping stuff out. Eventually, you know, I've talked about this will be a video podcast. So find the YouTube, YouTube, Sam, find the YouTube channel and subscribe and, um, and connect with us there. Um, I was literally just thinking when I drove my, my girlfriend to work this morning, we were driving and she said something about resting bitch face and uh, she said, you know, I, I, I know I have resting bitch face because like when I walk around, guys will just say things to me like, hey, smile. And dude, it pissed me off so much. And it wasn't that it pissed me off. Like, I don't care that guys say smile to her, but I was like, babe, you do not have resting bitch face. You know, like, you know, women will say, oh, the, you know, smash the patriarchy. The patriarchy runs deep. And I was like, you're damn right it does. Um, resting bitch face is not a fucking thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not smiling. That's all you're doing. It doesn't mean you look like a bitch. Um, and the guy who's telling you to smile, it's not because you have resting bitch face. It's because he thinks you're cute and he doesn't know what the fuck else to say to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, he sees you walking around and you're just not smiling and he thinks you're cute and he wants to engage with you and, he, and he's got nothing else. <clears throat> um, so please, babe, don't let that fucking affect you. And I was laughing because, you know, <laughs> you know, I was thinking, you know, I wanted her to be able to say something to fucking people. You know what I'm saying? So the next time someone says, hey, babe, smile, say, as soon as you shut the fuck up, I will have something to smile about <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't sound as cool when I say it, but it was funny in the car. I guess you had to have fucking been there, folks. Oh, man. Oh, man. Dude. What the fuck are we going to talk about this episode, man? The podcast is a legal drinking age. Um, I feel like there should be something special to talk about, but <laughs> I don't know. There was a Super Bowl, which I didn't fucking watch. Did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Also, apparently Trump is not getting impeached. 
So I don't know what to say. I should have feelings about that, but life feels normal, doesn't it? The world turns, things happen, people complain on Facebook about it, and yet life feels the same. Yeah, I I feel very out of touch, you know, and I don't know what that's about. I feel very out of touch from current events. I couldn't care less. And that's sometimes I wonder if that's how I know if the, the Matrix is fucking winning. Do you know what I'm saying? Big things are happening in the world of politics and society, and I'm completely um, unplugged from it. A part of me couldn't care less. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, I'm just waiting for things, I'm waiting for the chips to fall where they may, and then I'll just deal with the consequences. Do you know what I'm saying? And that, you know, sometimes I think that's the way to be, you know, because the truth is everybody is so invested and involved as if they have any control over how things are going to happen. And that seems like a certain type of uh, mental health disorder <laughs> or, or something, or uh, it certainly doesn't seem like the right way to live. But then I think the, you know, so, so, so sometimes I think my route of being completely unplugged is the, is the most reasonable, but then sometimes I think, oh, that's the fucking man winning, do you know? Um, it makes me think, it makes me think that there's, there's actually like two, like we're living in like the, whatever dystopian future people have been writing about for years, you know, and I think every generation feels this way, but it does feel as if we're on the cusp of entering the fucking dark ages. Do you know what I mean? And there's like two different ways that people thought this dystopian future was going to play out. Like on the one hand, you had Aldous Huxley who wrote A Brave New World, who thought that it was going to be... uh, The government was just going to... I was going to say cajole, but I don't even know. We're going to pacify the people by just giving them what they wanted, you know, feeding into their desires, their gluttonous desires, you know, uh, um, pacifying the public with pleasure. Do you know what I mean? Um, David Foster Wallace, that's kind of one of the premise, one of the thousand premises in his novel, Infinite Jest, is this idea of a tape. Um, I believe the tape is called Infinite Jest. But when you watch it, it's so pleasurable, you become catatonic. The pleasure of watching this tape is so incessant, you become obsessed. And it basically breaks your brain, and all you want to do is watch the tape. Um... That's kind of the world we're living in, you know what I'm saying? Like people, like I remember there used to be a stigma about talking about um, binge watching shows. Like that was seen as a colossal waste of time. Like you would be, you would be embarrassed to be watching that much television, let alone watching movies or a television show on the internet. Do you know what I mean? And now that's just considered a completely normal way to pass your time. You know. Uh, you know, crawling into your apartment with your partner and just laying in bed and binge watching an entire show is seen as a perfectly normal way to spend your time, which seems bizarre to me. Um, not that I don't, not that I haven't done it or don't do it. I just think, um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so all I'm trying to say is there's something about, you know, this idea of infinite jest of breaking your brain over entertainment and being pacified by the pleasure of what you're watching. We're kind of fucking living in that already. Do you know what I mean? Um, So that's like the Aldous Huxley dystopia. Oh, and because we're, we're pacified into um, obedience, then the, the, you know, the evil puppet masters of the world can get away with the evils that they're doing. Okay. So that's kind of a world that we're living in. The other one was Orwell, who, you know, who wrote 1984, who thought who, because he was kind of living during the time of fascism, 
you know, thought it was going to be mind control and it was going to be um, uh, thought control and it was going to be the restriction of information and it was going to be gulags and it was going to be corralling and policing people and it was going to be Big Brother and it was going to be spying on everybody. Um, and there's no doubt that um, there's no doubt that that's uh, there's a big part of that in the world also. You know, propaganda, uh, information control. Um, that seems to be a, a big part of the world we're living in. But I think as history has played out, I think the one that really won was Aldous Huxley's. You know, I think you get, <laughs> I think you have more control over, over people by giving them exactly what they want. Not what they say they want. Not what people grandstand about. Not what people type up and write about on social media. But what, the, but what they really, really want, which is pleasure. <laughs> You know, I think there's, I suspect that most of the social justice warriors, most of the, you know, the, um, I'm trying to think of the word for like screeching, you know, the people who write these long social media posts about what needs to happen in the world and the way the world changes, you know, I think most of those people are lying about who they are in their private lives. I mean, the the left loves when some uh, conservative pastor who's railing against homosexuality turn, you know gets picked up uh, buying male prostitutes because they think they're hypocrites. Dude, you're going to find just as many people like that on the left. I don't know if you heard that siren in the background, but they're coming to pick me up for this. Dude, real big brother shit right here. <clears throat> but dude, people are people. It's not that the right is more hypocritical than the left. People are hypocrites. That's who they are. And for all their talk, if what the world really wanted was to recycle and have uh, healthy, sourceable, organic food, that's what we would have. But we don't. McDonald's sells billions of hamburgers a year because that's what people buy. You know, and people want to talk about the accessibility of healthy food. People want to talk about, you know, as if we're somehow tricked into buying this stuff. But the businesses are smart. They just give people what they really want. Soda companies, they don't need to make their drinks healthier. They go, you like this. We're just going to make more of it. You know, the market decides what people produce. Do you know what I mean? People talk about what they want to see on TV. You know, what what we should be showing people. We, We think our... You know, images of beauty are completely informed by what we're fed on television, as if people got into boardroom and decided this is what we want people to believe. No, nah, man, they just started putting this stuff out there, and that's what people were consuming. And so they said, oh, well, we'll just give them more of what they want. You know, there's a certain clarity of thinking in, um, you know, it's not about like, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not about constructing the narrative and then feeding it to people. I think the rails are already greased by who we are, who people are, just intrinsically. You know, give them sex, give them violence, give them things that are stimulating, and that's what they want more of. You know, and I'm not saying that that's evil. I'm not saying people are evil. I'm just saying that that's how people are wired. You know, I think that's like the frustrating part of the human condition is people want to live in a better world, but in some ways they know that we're not really primed for it. Was I talking about this in the Dostoevsky story, uh, A Disgraceful Affair? I don't even know if I went into this story, so sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I just recently read this short story by Dostoevsky called A Disgraceful Affair. And uh, it's about this guy who works in the government, and he's very idealistic. And he, um, 
you know, he's the, the beginning. It opens up with him in a room. He's sort of having drinks with two of his other colleagues, and he's sort of grandstanding about the change that needs to happen in politics and how um, um, the, the the bourgeois and the fucking uh, high and mighty people in politics need to um, humble themselves and ingratiate themselves with the common folk, et cetera, et cetera. And one of his friends says, we can't, you know, if that's the ideal, we're going to fall short. You know, we don't have it in us to do that or something like that. And so as he's walking home after a couple of drinks, this idea is sort of ringing in his head and he stumbles on the wedding celebration of um, one of his inferiors, someone he supervises in the office. And he has all these grand ideas about how he's going to walk in, excuse me, he's going to walk in and... Um, and he's going to ingratiate himself with the people and they're going to think he's such a nice guy for condescending to spend time with them. And, and he's just completely enamored with this image of benevolence that he's going to have. And as soon as he walks in, it all falls to shit. He embarrasses himself. People resent him being there. Um, a whole number of things happen. Um, but, um, you know, it's this idea of, you know, it's easy to talk in the grandstand about the state of the world that we wish we lived in and what we, you know, the types of ideals and morals that should, uh, um, uh, dude, I can't even think today. Like I really, it's palpable to me that it's like, I'm struggling to articulate my thoughts. I'm struggling for words. Do you know what I'm saying? <sighs> Excuse me. But it's easy to say, you know, the types of laws we wish, go- wish govern the world that we live in. But, uh, you know, the rules that we actually live by are very, very different. Do you know what I mean? Like, one of the examples for me is, um, and of course this is completely anecdotal, but, you know, when it comes to the type of world that people broadcast that they want to live in and, and what they wish other people did, I have one of, one of these, one of my music friends, one of my music acquaintances who I've known for years, she is one of the crunchiest people you'll ever fucking imagine. You know, she blows the fucking hardest about the state of the world and um, non-GMO shit. And it's just, I mean, that's like her whole image. You know what I'm saying? Last time I saw her, I bumped into her at Target. And the first thing she said out of her mouth, you could tell, like, look, I'm fucking fine. I was going in there getting like some fucking, um, like razorless shaving stuff like dude bald people might know what i'm talking about but you can basically buy this fucking cream that you just rub on your head and instead of shaving your head with a razor because you'll get like razor bump and stuff your hair literally fucking falls out and you just wipe it It, dude it's like nair you guys know what nair is it's like that for your head but dude your boy is fine with being in target you know is it causes me anxiety to be in there is it's like sensory fucking overload but i got no problem that i'm fucking shopping at target but I can see this look on her face the minute I see her, where she's like, oh shit, I've been spotted. And the first thing out of her mouth when she sees me is, well, you can't be the prices here, can you? And I was like, you've basically summed up that. I mean, that basically sums up everything I'm trying to say is no, you can't beat the prices. And that's what companies like Target and everybody else are banking on. They know who you really are, not who you want to be, who you really are. And this was an example of like, oh, if they get this person, they get everybody. Do you know what I'm saying? They've already won. If this person can't live up to her own ideals, who can? Uh, yeah, dude, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. I guess I'm saying we're all fucked. 
<clears throat> we're going down in fucking flames, man. That's what I'm trying to say. But yeah, this idea that we, we, you know, we can't live up to the ideals that we've set for ourselves. I mean, maybe that's what the whole, like, you know, every religious text talks about the end times. You know, in Scandinavian mythology, it's Ragnarok. In Christian mythology, it's Armageddon. I think, there, I think we've always sensed that there's something about us, there's something intrinsic to our natures that, you know, it doesn't bode well for us. We're not meant to be here. Or we're not meant to last forever. Whatever we want for ourselves, it seems like we know on some fundamental level that we don't have the constitution to see it through. You know, that we will destroy ourselves. It's very strange. I don't know what that's about. Man, wow, bleak. Although I don't know, maybe I'm just apologizing for myself. Maybe that's just a rationalization for not doing anything. You know, but I don't know what to do. Take to the streets, start chaining myself to to bulldozers or <sighs> sit-ins. Do you know what I mean? I, I just, I don't know what to do. I feel like a man without a flag. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like uh, like a, like literally a rebel without a cause. I feel like a contrarian. I, I don't see any faction or group that I want to be a part of. I should just build my own fucking country. I should buy an island. Well, first of all, we should have a GoFundMe and buy an island and I'll fucking be the king. Dude, I'll fucking be like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. Dude, I'll be, dude, Jim Jones. Holy shit. I'll just be the next Jim Jones. I'll just start my own colony in French Guyana and you guys can come live with me. Excuse me. Dude, you know what I've been doing? I I seriously think I'm trying to like fix my life in some ways, but literally for what feels like no reason at all, I bought a a drumming practice pad and a pair of sticks. I've been thinking about it for like a couple weeks, I think, but... I literally went on, uh, should I say the website? I don't know. Who cares? I went on Amazon and I bought just a practice pad, a drumming practice pad and a pair of like heavy, you know, snare drum sticks. And I've just been fucking practicing drumming. Isn't that weird? I don't know if you knew this, but my first instrument was drums. You know, if you've heard my original music, um, you know that I sing and play guitar and that's been my, um, my thing for the last... Jesus, I don't know, 15 years, maybe longer, I don't know. Um, but the my first exposure to music or playing music was drumming, you know, and that was like my thing. I fucking played drum set for most of my 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 teenage years, you know. And when I decide when I left boarding school where I was studying theater and I said I was going to just do music, I thought I was going to be a drummer. Isn't that fucking crazy? But um one thing I always said is when I was taking drum lessons, I never practiced. You know, I would play drums for, you know, at least an hour a day, sometimes many hours. But I was always, like, playing along to CDs. And when I would show up for my lesson, I was, like, never prepared for the things that, you know, he had sent me home to practice. You know, and you had these, there's all these sorts of different books. I've actually rebought one of them. It's called Stick, I think it's called Stick Control for the Modern Snare Drummer. Let me see it. I got it over here. 
It's just called Stick Control for the Snare Drummer. And um, I, I remember that was like one of a, you know, probably half a dozen books that I had at different times that really sort of stuck out to me. But, um, but yeah, I like never practice, you know? And I think as I get older and I look back on my life, I think I'm trying to like, you know, in my quest to become like the, the quote, perfect person, you know, whatever that is, whatever cosmic standard I'm holding myself to that I'm, uh, you know, and I, and I think, uh, almost like I'm going back over my life and trying to correct things. Like for like a year and a half ago, it was like studying music theory. You know, I was like going back and analyzing all these Bach chorales and like doing these harmony exercises and going through old theory books that I had and like learning them. Cause like when I was in, when I actually was languishing in a junior college, like I always say in studying music theory and not doing the work, I, it's like, I have always seen that as like a hole in my life, do you know, where I didn't, I didn't do my job. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think like, as I go through life, I want to go back and, and fix those parts of my life. And right now, I guess it's drumming. <clears throat> so your boy's been spending like, a, like, like fucking Sunday. I, I practiced like four hours just working through this stick control book. And like every day now, you know, cause your boy has a shit ton of homework all the time. That's how I punctuate the experience or that's how I have been punctuating it over the last week. You know, I'll look at something for an hour and a half and then I'll do some, you know, fucking drumming practice for like 15 minutes, just practicing on this practice pad and thinking about my, um, you know, how am I holding the stick? Am I using the right technique? Dude, it's crazy. What It's crazy what you have patience for as an adult that you had no patience for as a kid. You know, like when I was a kid, that was the most boring thing in the world. All I wanted to do was just get on the drum set and start playing. Now I'm just totally interested in just playing on this practice pad, not even owning a drum, you know, just a pair, like I like the, the sparseness, the Spartan quality of just having a practice pad and, and sticks, you know, and just working through this stick control book, you know, not with any goal in mind, just the, just the fucking, I don't even know the word. It's it, it's strictly academic, do you know? Yeah, I don't know what that's about. <clears throat> but I've been enjoying it. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird what you have patience for as an adult that you had no patience for as a kid. Maybe all this is coming up because I'm back at school. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think because I had spent so much of my life recently trying to have a creative career that it didn't, quote, work out, so to speak there's almost like, I feel like I'm sort of revert, like I'm literally reverting back to like, I'm picking up where I left off. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when I was living in Tucson, languishing in a junior college, not getting shit done. And I was like, man, my life needs to change. And I just packed up my shit and moved to the Bay area. Like I was just, you know, not that important living didn't happen, but there is one part of my mind that thinks like I was, I was just lost you know, for like 10, 11, maybe even 12 years. Do you know what I'm saying? Just working at restaurants. And even though all of that was also like my creative, you know, career, for lack of a better word, all the music I ever written has been written during that time. Because I'm now having to do something else, I feel like I'm literally going back to that time in my life where I picked up and moved out here. And it's like, I'm going back to all the things I left behind, like whether it's school. Dude, your boy's a fucking great student. You know what I mean? Like, your boy's going to be a straight-A student. That's the goal, anyway. 
<clears throat> but your boy today is being the type of student he should have been then. And dude, I, I, and you know, you don't experience these things consciously, but I think, you know, me going back to music theory the other year, me going back to picking up, you know, drumming, it's like, I'm literally going back and trying to fix the former parts of my life. Do you know what I mean? It's probably clinically predictable, honestly. You know, I talk about this stuff with my therapist. She just sort of smiles and nods, but maybe, she, you know, she sees exactly what's going on. I mean, you know, so much of therapy is just me talking. Um, and, I, you know, my therapist doesn't write things down. Like, some people have, like, a therapist with, like, a fucking legal pad on their lap, which would be fucking bizarre. Because then you say something, and then they start writing, you think, oh, that must have been important. <laughs> but uh, I think... I think you have to keep clinical notes, don't you, as a therapist? I don't know, in the 10 minutes between sessions, maybe she jots, jots a couple things down, but maybe this is the type of shit that she's writing. You know? Clinically predictable, return to childhood, to correct previous mistakes, etc., etc. I wonder what else I would return to. I wonder if there's anything I can think of now that I might return to that if in a year time, if we're still doing the podcast, I can bring up and you guys can say, oh, we knew that was going to happen. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess in some ways, I mean, I, I told you on another episode about the, you know, the year of my life I spent just like going to bars, learning how to talk to people. I mean, it really is like regrouting my life. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like because so much of my life, like, I just didn't have a lot of structure. You know what I mean? I, you know, you know, I don't want to speak ill about my parents, but you know, there just, there wasn't a lot of structure growing up, you know? Um, you know, and I've talked about this with my brother. I don't know if he would sign off on this completely, but in a lot of ways, I feel like I've raised myself, you know, and any skill that I've had, I've sort of had to develop for myself. It was like I had to sort of write the rubric of my own life and basically live up to it or not, you know, because there was no accountability. You know, I could literally do whatever I wanted since I was a little kid. <clears throat> you know, and because of that, there's no, there's no one pushing you in any one direction. You know, and whether it was the books I was reading or the movies that I saw and then just the experience of my life in general... I would basically find things that I wanted to emulate, you know? And I was like, well, if I want to do that, I have to do this. And so for me, it was like, there reached a point where I thought like, damn, I feel pretty inhibited. I feel pretty shy. I feel pretty whatever. And I was like, all right, well, what are you going to do to get over this? All right, dude, you need to just start going out and talking to, to strangers and just commit to the process. And it's going to be weird and you're going to embarrass yourself sometimes and you're going to have some weird interactions, but that's how you're going to forge this part of your personality. Do you know what I mean? And I just pushed myself out there and did it. Um, and I've always been the type of person that like, I sort of think about something for a while and then when I do it, I just do it. And when I'm in, I'm all in. <clears throat> you know, and I, I feel like school was that way too. I had sort of thought about it, but I never, I never really great gave it any critical thought and came to a reasonable conclusion that that's what I was going to do. I just did it. And just decided to commit to the process. <clears throat> you know, quitting smoking. I know I sort of relapsed after eight years for like another year and a half. But, you know, the first time I quit smoking, I just stopped. And like It's, it's like I was ready to, you know what I mean? <sighs> 
Anyway, does this make sense? I don't know. I feel like I'm sort of jumping around from topic to topic. I don't really know why we're talking about all these things, but maybe it makes sense to you. Sometimes, like I've said, I do, I, first of all, I hate that I keep saying like I've said or all that stuff, but um, when I do go back to listen to these episodes, sometimes I think, oh, it's like a little, it's like a little theme and variations. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I realized, oh, at some point in the beginning of the show, I stated a theme and the rest of the podcast is just kind of a variation on that theme. And as I'm talking through it, I don't really realize it, but it's only in hindsight that I go, oh, see how it's all connected? Well, that's kind of interesting. You know, or I'll hear something later in the podcast that's kind of a callback to something earlier that I just, I didn't realize at the time. <clears throat> anyway, I guess I'm trying to say I'm a genius. Dude, I'm like the Mozart of podcasts. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like a little enfant terrible. Is that the right word? I'm just a fucking child prodigy of podcast. I'm a podcast prodigy. Dude, do you remember the band Prodigy? I think the dude I think that dude died recently. Anyway, dude, too much death. Dude, we've talked so much about death and dying on this podcast. We're just gonna avoid it completely on this episode. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, dude, now that the semester has started, I literally I, I literally cannot read for pleasure. I've been like on the first 100 pages of The Adolescent by Dostoevsky for like the last few weeks. I just can't push forward. Sometimes I'll be in the library and I'll finish my homework and I can read like five or 10 pages, but I was so, I was reading so voraciously over the break and it's like the minute the school semester starts, it just slams, the breaks fucking slam on uh, reading for pleasure. Now I'm just reading about psychology and doing fucking chemistry homework. Yeah, just drumming, I guess. Fucking Ringo Starr over here. Yeah, I don't know what the end game is. Although it's, you know, it's funny. It's like the minute I start drumming, like on, like, you know how your your YouTube can basically tell you whatever you're into. Like I, I was listening, I told you I was listening to a bunch of like police interrogations. And so every time I would click over to YouTube, all my recommended videos would be like true crime police investigation stuff. Now it's nothing but drum stuff. I click over to YouTube and it's all these fucking drum videos and gear reviews and it's just like ugh. i'm really trying to fight against it like with the podcast it'd be very easy for someone who started a podcast to get into like oh i gotta get a new mic or i gotta get an audio interface by the way so my brother pointed this thing out that i've obviously i've been aware of and if you've listened to this podcast you've been aware of, but we've never talked about it and there's there's um i don't i don't uh, 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 there's a there's a disturbance in the force of this podcast every episode that you've noticed if you listen, which is at some point in the hour, and dude, if there's a God, it's going to happen right now. Do you hear me? But at some point in the hour, my voice gets garbled for about five seconds. And I don't know what it is. It's something with the interface. It's been doing it for a while. I've had this interface for a few years now. But something happens where my voice gets garbled and it sounds all choppy and robotic for about five to ten seconds and then it clears up. Um, I've kind of poked around online looking for ways to fix it or maybe I just need to get a new unit. I don't know what it is, but it seems to be a common problem with the, the unit that I have. Now, it would be very easy for your boy to just buy a new interface. 
You know, I'm not saying that they're giving them away for free, but it's also not going to cost you an arm and a leg. You know, you can get good stuff for cheap these days. <clears throat> and, you know, I don't like talking about gear because most people who listen to this won't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But your boy's just using like a cheap mic. You know, I, I know a little bit about EQing and I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying this is the best sounding podcast that you listen to. Um, but, you know, if you're like me and you see a lot of video podcasts that people are doing, everybody's using the same mic. Everybody's using it's called a Shure SM7B. And it's sort of like the industry standard of like radio and broadcast. So everyone's using that shit. It would be very easy to buy that mic. But no, my whole thing right now is I'm using what I have to create, like I'm focusing on the process. Do you know what I mean? I'm focusing on developing the skill set as a speaker. You know, um, it's sort of like when I first started songwriting, I'm like, I'm just going to do it with voice and guitar and I'm going to use what I have and work on the craft. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of where I'm at with the podcast. And uh, I don't want to spend a dollar on it. Do you know what I mean? I want to use the tools that I have right now. I want to do what I can and do the best I can for as long as I can. And there may come a time when I have to upgrade, but in the meantime, it's just going to be what it's going to be. You know, and there's a part of me that wants it to not be perfect. Or I should say, there's a, I mean, I definitely want it to be perfect. But there's a part of me that's trying to tolerate it not being perfect. You know, to realize, yeah, does that suck? Yeah, it sucks that, you know, during every episode, there's a, there's a, there's a point where my world, my, my, blah, 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 where my words get garbled and I sound like a robot. And sometimes, sometimes it's really not a problem because what I'm saying is so decipherable. But I think even, I think even in the last episode, I was like, oh, that's a really bad one. Like, I don't think you're able to understand what I'm saying there. <clears throat> but there's a part of me that's going, well, it is what it is. And it, it, I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm just going to keep going. And I think I started talking about this because I think it's very easy when you get into something to just get uh, gear obsessed. Do you know what I mean? To start throwing a bunch of money at it. You know, I do this with books. I'm glad. And I, again, I think it's something I'm consciously working on, but you know, I've been doing this with, I'm glad I haven't been doing it with Dostoevsky because a lot of times you'll see yourself getting into something and you think, oh, the minute I finish this book, I'm going to read that book. Well, oh, actually, I'm just going to read all of Dostoevsky. So what you do is before you finish one book, you've bought three more, and maybe you read the next one, but you never read the other two. You know, so for like, it's like for every book you buy, you have two that you didn't read. And then before you know it, you have a shelf full of books that you haven't read. I think a lot of people can relate to that, no matter what you're doing. Dude, people, musicians do this with gear all the time. You know, I see musicians who are struggling in their craft, they're struggling with writing, they're struggling with whatever, and they think the solution is a new piece of gear. When it's not, man, it's just doing the work. It's tolerating the feeling of sitting there and having it be uncomfortable and pushing through. <laughs> you know, and I think part of being an adult is just reconciling yourself to that. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not blaming anyone for feeling that way. I, dude, I, your boy has bought and sold more gear than, or a, as much gear as anybody else. You know, if I'm talking about it with judgment, it's because I also completely understand it. You know what I mean? It's just something that I'm trying to focus on. But I'm trying not to do that in my life anymore. You know, I said, I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to do it with what I have. I'm not going to buy a new mic. I'm not going to buy a new interface. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to start with what I have and use it for as long as I possibly can. And maybe at some point, 
I'll need to, you know, if the mic breaks, I need to buy a new one. If the interface really takes a shit on me, then I, I'll have to buy a new one. But otherwise, we're just going to push through. And it's going to be perfect. No, dude, your boy's going to sound like a robot once every hour. But hey, you can deal with it. Tolerating the imperfection. Dude, what's that Japanese? It's called wabi-sabi. Have you heard that? Dude, of course you have. There's something about the algorithm now with social media is we all think we're seeing individual things, but dude, everybody's seeing the same shit at the same time. YouTube is suggesting a lot of the same videos to people. Like I was having dinner with my friend Lauren O'Connell. Do you guys know Lauren O'Connell? She's a great musician. Has a following on YouTube. Very, very talented. Um, She and I have been friends for the last few years, but um, last, dude, maybe even a decade or so. I don't know. Dude, it's crazy how fucking time flies. But... um, um, but, uh, I used to double date with her all the time with her partner that she was with for like most of the time that I knew her. Um, every time I was dating something new, we'd go on like double dates. And, um, but I was mentioning this video. I was talking about like, Oh, I saw this video, of some guy like breaking down like accents and movies. And she was like, Oh, I just watched that yesterday. And I was like, I watched it yesterday too. And that's when I realized, dude, we're all seeing the same shit. So when I say, Oh, do you know about Wabi Sabi? Dude, a fucking course you have because you probably saw the same goddamn video about Wabi Sabi that I did. I used to see a lot more of their videos. I think it was the school of life. I think is what it was called. And I don't know. They were cranking out some pretty cool videos. And then I don't know shit. Maybe they just folded or whatever. Excuse me. But, um, yeah. Wabi Sabi, the beauty of imperfection. You know, like that scratch on your coffee cup is what makes it your coffee cup. You know, it's its own beauty and imperfection. So, dude, yeah, I sound like a robot every hour, but dude, that's the wabi-sabi of this podcast. That's the wabi-kinsabi of this podcast. I don't know. I want to come up with my own name for it, but I guess it's just wabi-sabi. Dude, do y'all remember the song The Name Game? I was literally just, you know, it's like if your name was John, it'd be John, John, Boban, Banana, Fana, Fofan, Fifi, Moman, John. <clears throat> Larry, Larry, Boberry, Banana, Fana, Fofairy, Fifi, Momary, Larry. Billy, Billy, Bobilly, Banana, Fana, Fofilly, Fifi, Momilly, Billy. Dude, say it with me now. Let's pick a name. Uh, Lisa. Ready? Lisa, Lisa, Bobisa, Banana, Fana, Fofisa, Fifi, Momisa, Lisa. But I was already thinking, Wabi, Sabi, Bobabi, Banana, Fana, Fosa, Thabi, Pipi, Momasi, Masi. Whatever it's supposed to be. All right, dude, enough fucking around. Anyway, dude. That's why you like this podcast. You know, you may not know it on like a conscious level, but what you like is that it's not perfect. If this was like one of those NPR podcasts, you know, where maybe maybe it's not about that. You know, if it was perfectly produced. Actually, dude, who am I kidding? Maybe you'd like this podcast a lot better. Dude, maybe the truth is, is that you enjoy this podcast despite its imperfections. You know, like maybe you listen to this podcast and you say, well, I wish it was a little better produced or, God damn, that shit's annoying, but, well... Yeah, I guess it's good enough. Dude, it's hard to know what people like about you. I think it happens to a lot of musicians or even, um, yeah, in general. I, I think I think sometimes people are confused about what people enjoy about them. I think it's why most bands, like once they get successful, they, I feel like they lose something that their early audience really loved about them. 
Excuse me. You know, I think people have a pretty, like, they have a pretty broad sense of themselves and they're, they're not really sure why people like them. <clears throat> Sometimes the things that we perceive as faults in ourselves are actually people's favorite thing about us. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm trying to think of a concrete example. Well, I guess I only have my own experience, but it's like, you know, the entire time I was writing and recording as the plastic arts and just recording songs with my voice and guitar, I always thought I wasn't like enough. Do you know what I mean? Like I always thought like I needed more production and I wanted more production. You know, I, there was a part of me that even knew that the songs that I was writing were, they, I mean, to me, they were more like acoustic demos. And in my head, I heard bigger arrangements. Do you know what I mean? And so there was a part of me that always like knew that I was working toward that. And when I did, you know, I, I knew that there was a large contingency of the people that listened to my early music that were not going to like this, you know, that they, they liked the intimacy. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I just sort of had to head off in my own creative direction and, you know, it's hard. But I think the only thing I'm trying to point out is that, you know, sometimes Maybe it's not even about better. Maybe it's just different inventories. But there's there's things that people value about us that we think are blemishes that actually people are really endeared to. Like, my girlfriend has this scar on her chest. Um, she says it was from, like, a pimple, but it had to have been, like, a cyst or something. I don't know. But may, scars are weird, right? Like, it, she basically has this keloid scar on her chest. And I hesitate bringing it up because I know she's kind of insecure about it. But to me, I like it. You know, and I don't see it like 99% of the time. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's like, if that scar disappeared, I would miss it. That's her wabi-sabi. Do you know what I mean? And I genuinely like it about her. There's no part of me that thinks she's beautiful in spite of that scar. Like, I really like it. I find it endearing. And if it disappeared, I would miss it. You know, I don't know what that is for you guys, but I think everyone has that, you know, like I, I've talked about the photo face. I've talked about like people exist in the world where, you know, if you point a camera at someone, you instantly see them compensate for whatever uh, deficits they think they have. They'll suck on their cheeks. Girls have a whole fucking, um, uh, repertoire of, you know, they'll stand facing the side. They'll fucking like bend one knee. I like, I don't fucking know how to describe it, but you know what I'm talking about? A girl, they put their hand on their hip, like girls have all sorts of ways to compensate for what they think are their deficits in photos. And everybody does this, but someone will never, you'll like the, have you ever had times where you just look at someone that you were never really attracted to and you just have a moment where you go, Oh, actually they're very attractive or wow. That was a very attractive moment for them. I guarantee you it was when it was in a moment of complete, where they had a moment of complete unself awareness. Do you know what I'm saying? They just responded naturally to something in their face just sort of lit up in a certain way. Do you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> like people think they're more attractive when they like suck in their cheeks or stick their neck out or, but when you're holding tension in your face, I feel like you can't be beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Like when you, like if you're a photographer now, what the fuck do I really know? But dude, I'm about to hit you with some fucking truth. I guarantee you that most of the photos a photographer keeps from a session are the in-between shots. You're posing someone, you're telling them to do this, you're telling them to do that. But I guarantee you the best photos are the one where they're sort of, you know, if you're firing at someone going like, and you're firing like 10 photos, it's the in-between shot that's the keeper. 
It's not the one where they were posing the hardest. It's where they were just looking off to the side and you just happened to catch them. Do you know what I mean? Because there's nothing lamer than seeing a photo in a magazine or anywhere, especially on social media, which is what most photos on social media are, where the person's trying. Especially if they're trying to look nonchalant. You can't fucking fake it. You know what I'm saying? Like, people do this thing where they try to take a photo of themselves, but they think, like, they can convince people that it wasn't taken by them. Do you know what I mean? They're, like, looking off to the side, and it's like, homie, I'm picturing you just fucking taking photos of yourself. Like, I'm picturing you wherever you're at, just, like, taking photos of yourself and, like, looking off camera. Do you know what I'm saying? You're not fucking fooling anybody. But yeah, dude, you can't fake that shit. And I bet if you're a photographer, you could totally fucking write me and let me know that I'm exactly goddamn right. This is what your people are doing right now. You know how, like, they, they don't applaud at, like, fucking poetry slams? They just fucking snap? There's so many photographers just fucking snapping right now telling me to preach. Preach, podcaster, preach! That's it, dude. Most of the photos that people keep from photo sessions, I guarantee you, are the interstitial shots. Because that's why people are the most beautiful. Dude, I had, a, I, had a, I had a memory of this. I had a friend going up named Victoria. We were driving somewhere. She was dating my friend Alex. <clears throat> and your boy was so insecure growing up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I was so self-conscious. And I remember we were driving one time, and she was in my passenger seat. I was driving. And I don't know what we were laughing about, but she said something, or I said something, and I laughed. And she just said, oh, that was a really handsome smile. And I was, immediately I like clammed up, but that always stuck with me because I knew in that moment exactly what I felt like. I had this moment of like, oh shit, that was funny. And I just heard, I had this, I just smiled and I laughed or whatever. And she just went, oh, that was a really handsome smile. And I went, oh shit. You know, because as someone who's so self-conscious and you're hyper aware of your body and how like people are experiencing you and how you're, you're literally posing for the world. I, I knew that feeling of like, I, I was, how do I word it? I was reckless or I was um, uninhibited. In that moment, I knew I was uninhibited. And so her pointing that out to me, my immediately knee-jerk reaction was to like snap back into control because I was like, oh shit, I really let myself go there, didn't I? But that, I always sort of not, you know, in the moment I didn't realize it was important, but psychologically, I've always flagged that as like a teachable experience where I was like, oh, you can't see yourself or people see you a different way than, than you see yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? Those moments in our life where we think it's like reckless abandon or we feel uninhibited and we feel dangerous. Sometimes that's where the beauty is. Do you know what I mean? When I do this podcast and I think, oh, this is really fucking going horrible and I'm bouncing around. Dude, sometimes I go back and I listen and I go, oh, that was awful. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you're right. That was really shitty. But sometimes I go back and I go, oh, that was magic, man. That was the best part of the podcast, you know? And when I'm sitting here and, you know, I I never write anything down, but sometimes I do have like a little quiver of, you know, three or four things I want to fucking get to. Uh, I rarely do, but sometimes I sit down and when I am just sort of sitting down going through the fucking thing, in the moment I can feel like, oh yeah, dude, I'm getting it done. Your boy's getting it done. And I go back and listen and it feels completely fucking robotic. And the moment where I just don't give a shit and just, even though it feels like I'm lost and I'm feeling my way forward in the dark and I feel awful, sometimes I go back and that's the most entertaining stuff. You know, one thing I, I talk about in therapy all the time is I feel like uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I, we, we talk about these things and I just go throughout my week and 
you know, some of what we talked about, I'm just sort of thinking about in the background, but it's like, I'm not doing any work with a capital W, you know, I'm not leaving with any homework with no, I'm not leaving with any goal in mind. <clears throat> you know, it's not like drumming where I could show up and he'd say, all right, let's look at page five of the exercises and start the metronome and just see how little work I've done. There's nothing like that for therapy. Um, uh, dude, I totally lost my train of thought. But, oh, feeling like, uh, you know, and in therapy feeling like, well, what am I supposed to be talking about? You know, sometimes the, the moments in therapy where I clam up the most is where I feel like I'm supposed to be saying something. I've had this with interviews. I've had this with dates. You know, when I talk about going out and trying to connect with people and like learning how to talk to people, the times where you fuck yourself up the most is when you think it's supposed to be going a certain way. Like dudes who think they're going to learn the game or learn how to quote, talk to women are fucking, they're destroying themselves from the beginning because they think you can just say a certain thing or you think it can go a certain way. Like as if girls are sitting there with a fucking quarterback wristband of like plays. And when they start talking to you, they're like, Oh, this guy doesn't know the plays, man. That's not it. What gives especially females the power when it comes to talking with them at the bars is they know they don't have to do anything. They have the confidence. They don't care where the conversation goes because they don't need it to go anyway. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's what you need to have when you talk to, when you talk to females, when you talk to people that you're romantically interested in, is you need to be able to feel that, you, that the conversation can go anywhere and you're perfectly fine with it. <clears throat> not because you like, you know, not because you have like a trick, you know, not because you've like, you know, you have a canned response for everything, but because you're just comfortable in your own skin. Anyway, dude, is this making sense? What the fuck am I talking about? Anyway, I think what I'm trying to say is when I go into therapy and I think I'm supposed to be talking about something, that's when it shuts down. Anyway, dude, I feel like your boy was on the cusp of a great fucking insight or a great point and I fucking lost it. But yeah, dude, you got to get up for Wabi Sabi. That's a profound thing right there, dude. I mean, don't we talk about this in creativity? Like sometimes the most boring music is the tech is the most technically perfect. <laughs> you know, it's like you can literally fucking polish, polish the interesting off of something. Like to me, when you look at social media and stuff, like if I don't know what your feed looks like, but as a dude, Instagram clearly wants me looking at chicks. Cause like when I hit that search button or when I hit that, um, magnifying glass, you know, the sort of browse or the search or whatever they, first of all, your boy watched cheer with his girlfriend. My, my brother was like, Oh, you guys got to watch cheer. Like he and his partner were watching it and he was like, Oh, you guys got to watch this show cheer. I'm watching it at my girlfriend's place. Like not even at my place. And all of a sudden, Instagram is showing me fucking cheer shit, like other cheer people on social media. And I'm like, how the fuck does my phone know that I'm even watching this goddamn show? Do you know what I'm saying? So that's super creepy. But it shows me all the same type of females, like who are like social media influencers or whatever. And their shit's all airbrushed and shit. And everybody looks the same. Dude, it's like sad to me. Where I go, oh, this is what you're aspiring to? You just want to be like everybody else? It's like these fucking clones, man. That's not interesting at all. <clears throat> yeah, 
you know, I've only had a couple of times in my life where somebody told me that they thought I was attractive. But the time, one thing that sticks in my mind is I remember somebody was like, oh, I know you. And I was like, oh, are you sure? He's like, oh yeah, you have a very, I forget how they worded it exactly, but they said, oh no, you have a very unique face. That compliment, uh, and they meant it as a compliment, by the way. <laughs> they were like, oh, you have a unique face, elephant man. Or, oh, no, no, you have, a, believe me, you have a unique face, Quasimodo. They were like, oh no, you have you like unique features. I was like, oh shit. Like that, that, like I, that was like a point of pride to me. Most of the people I see on social media are just like fucking carbon copies of each other. <clears throat> All right, dude, your boy's been talking fast because in a way I'm trying to end the podcast because I have to go to the bathroom, but I, I know we're right at the end here and I shouldn't do this, but I, I'm going to be more comfortable if I go. So I'm just going to go to the bathroom and I'll be right back. Ah, that's better. Um, literally as I was going to the bathroom, I was thinking like, huh, what have we talked about on this episode? And I was thinking back to, you know, talking about Aldous Huxley versus George Orwell. And I thought, you know, I'm talking about things never go worse. Sorry. <clears throat> things never go worse than when you're, you know, you think you're supposed to be talking about something. And as I was thinking, about it, I was like, oh, I feel like that didn't go very well. Like, that's an important topic for me. That's actually a conversation I've had with people. <laughs> It's actually something that I've thought a lot about. And I was, you know, I've always thought, oh, I hope it goes, I hope it comes up on the podcast sometime. And so as I'm talking about it earlier, I'm thinking, oh, this isn't going well. This is an important thing for me. This is something that I want people to hear and think I'm smart. And, oh, I'm not articulate. I'm not articulating it well enough. And, oh, and so I'm like going to the bathroom thinking, man, you really squandered that. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> but dude, this is a stream of consciousness podcast. And I don't know why, and I don't know how, but I'm sitting here talking about wabi-sabi and, and, you know, not caring what you're supposed to be talking about. And, dude, I think that's it. And so, one of my takeaways from all this experiences, or the experience of doing this podcast so far, has been, you know, the times where I'm talking about something that's important to me, and I want it to happen a certain way, it never does. It fucking never works, man. Maybe that's when I'm talking about social media or, you know, these social media influencers. And I, I feel like they're trying to create the highlight reel of their life. You know, and that's sad. You know, and if people are drawn to that, it's not because it's good. It's because they want that for themselves also. I bet most of these social media influencers, a lot of their appeal is that people hate them. And yet people want to be like them. Do you know what I mean? Like, Ana DeFranco has this lyric where she says, and I'm paraphrasing, but she says something like, you know, everybody harbors a secret hatred for the prettiest girl in the room. But without saying it, we already know that the other side of that coin is that people want to be that person. Do you know what I mean? We hate loving certain people. Or we love hating them. It's, 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 it's like one of the, it's the fucking yin-yang, dude. It's both of those things at the same time. But it's like we look at the social media influencers, we look at these, quote, perfect people on social media, and we know they're full of shit. We know their lives are sad. We know they fucking cry themselves asleep every night. We know they're not happy. They can't be. Nobody who's happy lives this way. Do you know what I mean? Like, you look at social media people, and they're smiling, and um, I follow this one person. I went on a date years ago with this one girl who basically told me, like, she... 
idolize this like social media person and she showed and i and on the date i like pull them up on my phone and say all right i'll follow him i'll check him out dude this is the saddest person i've ever seen in my life she's living in la she's like uh i don't know if she is a model or former model but she just spends all her time like showing you like how cool her life is and like private jetting to coachella or fucking burning man or some shit and like just living on the beach or whatever you just go oh dude this this person is so sad the major takeaway from this person's life is how fucking insecure and unhappy they are. Do you know what I'm saying? And yet, I know, I go, oh, well, this is an attractive person, so of course I'm intrigued. And I also know most of the females looking at this want to live this life. They both hate it and want to emulate it at the same time. Dude, it's sad. Dude, I feel that as an adult now, too. Like, I feel, as I get older, and your body changes, and you fucking feel your youth slipping away, or it's already fucking well gone, it's like I look at people, and there are certain things, dude, especially going back to school, there are certain things I envy them. Like, I envy their youth. I envy their, well, sometimes just their physical appearance. Like, I go, damn, dude, I wish I was young. I wish I wasn't fucking bald. Like, there's this dude in my math class, I fucking hate these guys, who have the most beautiful head of fucking hair. I'm not just talking about a full head of hair. There's plenty of guys who have that. But do you know these dudes who have beautiful fucking hair and they know it? That shit is like down to their ass and it's just fucking Vidal sassoon like a motherfucker. Like they literally look like hair models. I got a guy in my math class like that. And every time I see him, he just walks in the room and I go, God damn, that's a beautiful head of hair. So I envy those types of things. But I also fucking talk to them for five minutes and go, I fucking hate these people. Like, I probably shouldn't be talking about this on the podcast, I guess. But in case, I mean, not that these people listen to it, but uh, I just know it would hurt people's feelings if they heard this. But I have two people in my chem class who have sort of, you know, sometimes you got to partner up with people for like in-class projects or work on some homework assignment together or whatever the fuck. So, you know, you walk in a class on the first day, you sit where you sit, and that's basically where you're sitting for the whole semester. Like you don't even need to put your fucking name on a seat. We all kind of, it's the unspoken rule of school and stuff. It's like, Hey man, I was sitting there last time. That's kind of like my seat. You know what I'm saying? And that shit just gets, gets decided arbitrarily on the first day. But I got these two people that I'm like, Oh, well these are my, these are my peeps dude. And they're like 19. They just got out of fucking high school. And the way they talk with each other, I'm just like, Holy shit. You guys are dumb. And they're not dumb, dumb. They're just young, dumb. Do you know what I'm saying? They're super uncomfortable in their own skin. They're super nervous. They talk like Beavis and Butthead. You know, they're just kind of fucking out to lunch, kind of airheady. <clears throat> and they're like, you can tell they're totally crushing on each other. You know what I'm saying? They totally have a crush on each other and just they're so nervous. But I also feel out, like I feel like I feel othered by them. Do you know what I'm saying? Which is its own kind of shame. Anyway, I think I'm just trying to say that you can feel this on social media where you go, oh, fuck, I hate you, man. Oh, God, the last thing, oh, how sad. But you also kind of want to be them at the same time. Do you know what I mean? That's a hard part about life. You know, as you get older, you definitely feel that you're not young. You definitely feel, I mean, you notice it kind of begin in your late 20s where people don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know, you'll mention something that you think everybody knows and someone younger will look at you like, what the fuck are you talking about? And you're like, oh shit. But you're still in an age where you feel like, oh, well, that just says something about them. They're young. Excuse me. But at like 34, I'm, I'm, I am not only a full-fledged adult, an unqualified full-fledged adult, 
but I'm starting to feel embarrassed by people not knowing what the fuck I'm talking about. Like now I'm old because it's not just like, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, why would I know what the fuck you're talking about? Old man. And you're like, Oh shit, it's happening. Because before it was just like super young people and they're like, Oh, well they're just children. And you were still kind of like part of the, the, the cultural conversation, you know, but now it's like, things that are very important to you and, were, and like were very formative for you growing up, nobody gives a fuck about them. Do you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> like the eight, we had this whole, like we were just coming out of this whole eighties retro period. I, I genuinely, you know, everything's retro. Like when I was like in the nineties, what was retro was the sixties and seventies, you know, girls were wearing like bell bottom jeans or whatever. And I remember all the adults around us saying like, Oh, we used to wear those. That was just like commonplace. Like they're surprised to see it coming back. You know, I just feel that in my life in the last few years. It was like the 80s was like like all the music, Stranger Things, everything was referencing like everything that I fucking grew up with. You know what I'm saying? I think that's like usually my generations, they, they want to last look back at what was cool to them before it's completely obsolete. Well, guess what, folks? Shit is obsolete now. The fucking window has closed on that experience. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so it's weird. You both hate the fucking music that kids are listening to. Like I hear the shit that these kids listen to and it's fucking garbage. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. You know, it's fucking trash. And yet, oh, goddamn. But dude, they'll feel the same way about this stuff that I felt about the stuff I was listening to. Isn't that crazy? Like, dude, who's the, like, like, you know, I, we were talking about Mr. Rogers and shit. Everybody my age can talk fondly about Mr. Rogers and talk about how important he was and what important work he was doing. Who is that today? Do we have a Mr. Rogers? Is there one person reaching the youth who's like like formative right now that matters? I don't fucking know, dude. Is it Migos? I, dude, I don't even fucking know what kids are listening to these days. Extension or whatever the fuck? XXX Stancion or whatever the fuck. I don't know, man. I'm just embarrassing myself. All right. Well, maybe on that note, we'll just fucking wrap this podcast up. Um, thanks for listening. I feel we kind of stutter stepped at the beginning, but we, we got into some juicy stuff, you know? We usually find something to talk about on this podcast, and um, thanks for listening. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, you can. Uh, everywhere you listen to podcasts, usually Apple Podcasts and Spotify is where most people listen. So if you want to do like everybody else, join there. Uh, if you want to connect uh, with the socials, you can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at this is M Pod. And you can connect with me personally at this is M XOXO. Uh, what the fuck else? Oh, uh, uh, look up M, the heir apparent on Spotify. That's the letter M. The H E I R apparent and stream my playlist of original music from 2019 called Gentleman Caller. And um, I don't know, I'm sure there's other things. Actually, my music's playing me off right now. But um, uh, anyway, thanks for listening. You guys are great. Thanks for um, going on this journey with me. And uh, I told you, it's the best part of my week. And uh, I hope you enjoy it too. So thanks for listening. Thank you for your time. And ciao! for now.